Welcome to the Strange Catholic Show. This is a special episode. I know we've been away for six weeks, but thank you for tuning in again. We have Deacon Andy joining us, and Bob hasn't yet joined us, but hopefully he will by the end of the podcast. Cross Deacon Andy, yeah, we're you know we don't know if he's going to join us. We'll see. <laughs> Got some Bob, technical Bob problems. Has and... his issues with with tech. So we're hopeful, but we don't know for sure. But anyways, we got special guest uh, Deacon Andy. Uh, for those regular podcast listeners, you'll recognize Deacon Andy because he's been on the show before. That was for the applause. Yep. Everyone's yep. welcoming you back, Andy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for being back. And we didn't have any specific topic that we wanted to talk about. We just thought we'd just kind of, you know talk about whatever comes up and just kind of catch up with Deacon Andy and just see where the spirit leads us. Uh, we'll begin with an opening prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this time. Let your spirit inflame within our hearts the words you want us to say. Enliven the spirit with those that listen to this episode, that you would inflame within them your will, your spirit within them, and guide them on their path to lead ever closer to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Deacon Andy, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We'll just see where the Spirit leads us. Sounds fun. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Kind of like uh, that YouTube video that was uh, circling around back in February from the Family Feud. You know, Holy Spirit, activate. It was on TikTok. My kids sent it to me. I would know uh, nothing about it. but uh, I also I know can, nothing about this. You know nothing about that? <laughs> Phil, come on, awesome. I count on you for these things. No, not not for anything related to TikTok. You you will not find me knowing anything other than telling my family and friends to not use TikTok. That's all I gotta say about that as I take a big drink of tea. Uh, Deacon Andy also set up and runs a website, shroudnm.com. A link will be in the description. Deacon Andy, what do you want to talk about? We've got lots of topics that I know you have a wealth of knowledge that our Lord has blessed you with, and whatever you want to share with our audience. Well, I mean, we can talk about the shroud, we can talk about purgatory, we can talk about angels, whatever you guys want to. We can talk about Mary, one of my favorite subjects. Yes. It's all up to you. Well, let's let's start off with uh, with your website and the shroud. But, uh, you know, I know we kind of touched a little bit on that last time we visited, but for maybe bring us up to speed a little bit for those that didn't hear that podcast episode and maybe elaborate a little bit more. OK, well, I'll give you a background. So uh, my good friend Pete and I went to uh, eat lunch and decide what, what name we were going to give the website. And the website isn't important without the museum because the website is a website for the museum itself. It's the Shroud Exhibit and Museum. And there you have the website. If you go up to the top, they can see the top of it. There you go. 
And so that's it was created specifically to be the online presence of the museum itself. And in the museum, we have a we have a, a professionally backlit photo from the 1978 STIRP investigation that they can actually do research on. And so it's a it's a free free access museum. We uh, basically preach the gospel in a secular place. It used to be in the mall. And uh, we had a group from California. Uh, it was a religious group and they were doing God sightings and they came to the museum. Imagine that. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was uh, that was an experience for them. Wow, that would so, have been super cool. Yes. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. We've had some some interesting experiences. You know, personally, um, I got involved in the museum when Pete asked me to make the website. And Pete is, of course, now a deacon. He's been a deacon uh, about eight years longer than I. And uh, he was the production engineer for the VP8 Image Analyzer. And if you've ever seen a green screen of the shroud face, that's what the VP8 does. Mm. Um, the VP8 makes, one of the things it does is it makes um, brightness maps. And the brightness map of the shroud comes out 3D. So there's some sort of data perhaps encoded in the image by brightness that causes that effect. But there isn't anything else that's natural that has that effect. Uh, it is so it uh, is remarkable. It is miraculous. You know, they're just there are not words to describe the all of the ways in which no matter how you kind of spin the web, no matter what, you're going to encounter something miraculous with the shroud. Yes, without a doubt. Well, you know, I look at uh, how it affects people. You know, Barry Schwartz, the documenting photographer from the Sturp team in the 1970s, Barry is Jewish, and he said that his study of the Shroud restored his faith in God. That's how he describes it. I'm a deacon in part because of my study of the Shroud. Mm. Wow. Affects, and there are some people who refuse to accept its authenticity, I think yep. because it presents a challenge to them. If they accept it, they have to change the way they live, and they don't want to do that. You know, that may not be so, but that's just that's just my little theory in my little head. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that applies to many things in people's lives, right? They, we don't always want to accept the truth because sometimes it's really difficult to accept because if we accept that truth, again, like you said, it kind of snowballs, and we have to radically change our life, just like yeah. that encounter with Christ. We have to yeah. radically change our life. That's what he's asking us to do. So, yeah, I love that. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it's very challenging. But not yes. everybody's up to the challenge, apparently. That's true. But, you know, it, the conversion is not easy. Conversion is hard. No. Yes. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yes, right. exactly. Amen. Amen. And, I, and I've uh, alluded to this before in um, some of my... Sunday preaching, if following Christ was like a Sunday walk in the park, everybody'd be doing it. Yes. But, you know, and you talk about challenging. I go back to, um, you know, uh, John chapter six, the bread of life discourse, you know, where there were some, you know, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, they couldn't accept that. It was way too challenging for them. Mm -hmm. And so guess what? They left. 
They love. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, it, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same that you're talking about, Andy. You know, yes. with with the shroud, it's you know that that truth that that absolute truth. Some people just, you know, not to be cliche and not to use a movie, uh, another movie uh, <laughs> trivia thing, but some people just can't handle the truth. Let's face it. It's true. That's true. Not everybody wants to know. But you know, the great thing about talking about the shroud is that it's not up to me to convince anyone what it is. Amen. Um, really, Barry Schwartz says it really well. He said that the import of the shroud is in the eye of everyone who beholds it. Mm. And that's the truth. I like that. Yeah, me too. He has a lot of a lot of good one liners. And he has a lot of good two hour videos too. He's a delightful man. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit about the shroud, um, and you can see um, under my uh, interviews and papers why is the shroud important. Talks about the effect the shroud has on people. The shroud in Zechariah is a reflection of um, principally the Zechariah prophecy, but several other prophecies. Um, mm. The interview under that. That was a four-minute interview done up in Albuquerque on one of the local stations, KRQE, about the museum. It's four minutes of very short. You don't really get a whole lot of information, but but the 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 guy who was doing the interview was fascinated with it. Mm. The case for authenticity, I wrote, I have nine points of why the shroud could be considered authentic. You know, but it's in it's in the eye of the beholder. So each person yes. has to decide for themselves what this image means and what they're going to do about it. Exactly. And the one at the bottom, um, the two hours with Joe Marino and Janice Winchester. Joe Marino um, was a very early researcher of the Shroud, and Janice Winchester also studies the Shroud. That was a video on, uh, oh, it was a, a site about Muslims and Christians. That was an interesting one. That's a two-hour hmm. video. That was that was a fascinating conversation. Oh, I bet. Oh, I they bet. They had me do a presentation, so that's I don't know, forty minutes, forty-five minutes, and then we continued the conversation, and that went on for about two hours. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, up up top under my name, the VP8 presentation is about the VP8 image analyzer, and then the shroud presentation is about 170 slides, which gives you categories wow. of information. So I got, a, I have slides on scripture, I have slides on the physical, um, physical properties of the shroud, slides on science, slides on uh, all kinds of things. It's a, it's a fascinating subject. And oh, yeah. making those presentations really helped me to learn about it. Oh, I'm sure, I can't even imagine. Yeah, to learn about the science behind it, because if you focus on the science, then it becomes even more an amazing artifact. I don't know nearly what you know, but I would totally agree with the little bit of knowledge I have. Yeah, well, if you want more, just go to the Shroud presentation and look through the slides. Absolutely. It's done in PowerPoint, so it's just 170 some odd slides with photos and explanation and information that um, can help you understand better. 
the different aspects of the shroud. It can't cover everything. If it covered right. everything, it would be like a thousand slides. That's a little too much. <laughs> a little too much. Yeah, and I, I don't know I like everything it. about the shroud. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I uh, I think as technology continues to improve, I think people are starting to see and realize the miraculous nature and how how this was a miraculous event. Uh, I don't remember who it was that was on. Um, they were on a radio program and they were being interviewed about the shroud and they trying to compare the amount of energy it would take to create that image in the way that it was created and the miraculous nature in which it would have had to have been created far exceeds anything that humans have been able to create. Even if we were combined something well beyond our current technologies still would not be able to create. And I think it just shows that sometimes I think when we try to say, oh, you know, they just created it with this kind of a camera or they created with this kind of an image, you know, however many, 800 years ago, whatever. Um, you can see <laughs> that, well, that's not the whole story because if you tried to do it like that, you wouldn't be getting this 3D image. I just, a lot of the components of it, I'm fascinated by. And I agree, we'll link to this page and some of these presentations as well that you've done and let people check it out. Cause I think it's, once you kind of go down that trail a little bit, I think it kind of draws you in and you know, you just never know where the Lord's gonna lead you with that. Absolutely. Well, you know, the image itself is very surface. So the the fibers of the flax linen are kind of like a straw, like your finger. Yeah. And only one side of the cell is is um, a different color, but it's not a color that that part of the cell aged differently than the cell right next to it that doesn't have the image on it. I know. It's miraculous and we don't we don't we can't do that we don't have a laser that's fine enough to do that or anything else it's, right it's not possible for us to do that no matter how technologically advanced we are we're babies compared to the image <laughs> on the shroud yes. yeah. that's what that's what blows my mind about this is that mm -hmm. um you know we could try to create we could try to simulate a massive explosion in a very minuscule amount of time and and do all of these things, but still we're not yet going to be able to create the same kind of an image without destroying the thing we're trying to put the image on. We could create Precise. a big enough of a explosion, maybe, to, at least to a point, but we can't create that explosion and not destroy the thing we're putting the image on, which I think just, again, uh, speaks to the miraculous nature. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's inexplicable. That doesn't mean there's not an explanation, right. but at present, we cannot explain it. For Which is just, well, and it's just, you know, further evidence that we as humans have such limited brain power that we cannot even completely or even begin to really grasp the immensity of miracles like the shroud or even, you know, the mind of God himself. Profound. True enough, true enough.
So where shall we go from here, my friends? <laughs> where would oh, you like so to go? You mentioned that discussion with Joe Marino and Janice Winchester. You said, so something I heard, um, I don't remember where this was, but I thought it was an interesting point. I'd love to hear your take on it, but that Our Lady of Guadalupe in the image, right? This beautiful image that's on the tilma that's 500 some years old. I don't have the exact number offhand. Um, that it has a crescent moon that she's standing on. And yes. that she also appeared at Fatima. And someone said, maybe this is Mary's way of trying to reach out to the Muslims to show them the image of the crescent moon and Fatima being Muhammad's daughter, one of Muhammad's daughters, Fatima, um, showing this relation and how she's trying to reach out to the Muslims. And I was like, I, I've never heard any of this before. That was for me, that was a first to hear someone say, maybe this is our, our lady's way of trying to also reach out to the Muslims. And I was like, oh, that never even yeah. crossed my mind. Sounds about that's, right. Well, Bishop Fulton, J. Sheen, explanation. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said, if you want to reach a Muslim, then tell them about Mary. Mm. Because for Muslims, Muhammad, Fatima, Mary, that's the order. Hmm. They they revere Mary more than some Christians do. Oh yeah, as, oh, as yes. ironic as that sounds, it it does sound ironic. I get it, but once you understand, um, <laughs> once you understand a little bit more, you read your research, you understand that importance that Muslims place on Mary, which I I knew to a point, but I did not know. Um, I, I I never connected the dots between the image of Our Lady Guadalupe and her appearing at Fatima. I right. did, well, I you know, didn't connect. If that. you anyone who goes to the Shroud and M site on the front page, there's a little image of Mary. It's of the it's of the the Tilma image. But if you click on it, it's really big, and it gives you an explanation of the whole image. And it's really fascinating. There's images in her eyes. Yes. Um, there you go. Mm -hmm. And so that's a. Uh, that's really amazing, and that explains it. And of course, um, you can't see it really well on the video unless you have, I guess, a, a sixty-inch monitor. But uh, <laughs> but you can do that. You can save it on your computer, and then you can look at it at full view and just scroll up and down and see all the things in there. Yes, it, it is. The image is quite amazing. Again, another miraculous image we have. Yes. Oh yeah, because that that. That those fibers only last twenty years or so. Yeah, and that's five hundred years old. I know. Wow. And like, there's been bombings. People have yes. tried to set it on fire. All these things that have tried uh -huh. to destroy it, right? Because they know the devotion and they know what happens when people become devoted to Our Lady. And yes. uh, here we see people trying to attack it because they know if they can destroy it, then maybe that'll hinder some people's devotion. But no, Still, it was not yet. I don't think so either, but I think yeah. that can be the only reason why I think someone would try to destroy it. Well, it could just be out of hatred. I mean, you know, people don't yes. like what yes. they don't like. Yeah. It doesn't really matter the reason. And, Very true. You know, uh, John was John Vianney. He said the fastest way to heaven is through Mary. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, if you uh, if you think about it, do you think Jesus would be upset if we were devoted to his mother? Because the, yeah, no. the, the commandment 
to honor your father or mother doesn't just apply on earth. It applies for all time. It applies in heaven. Jesus right. still honors his mother. If if a person who claims to be Christian doesn't honor Jesus' mother, they're offending him. They're not honoring him. Yeah, I, it, I've heard it said that you, you can... You can't love Mary more than Jesus does. Nope. No, you cannot. Nope. I can't. <laughs> well, I am hers. I gave myself to her and yes. everything that I have and everything that I am. And so I'm her servant. But see, the, the problem with uh, the world is that they, they usually think in an either or thinking. So mm. either you love God or you love Mary. But yes. God isn't like that. Heaven isn't like that. God is completely inclusive so that when God assumed Mary into heaven and crowned her as queen, her son crowned her as queen, she is the queen. And when you want help from the king, the easy way to get it there is to go to the queen. The queen mother. And this is, and this is an Old Testament idea. This yes. is this is the the, the teaching of this is the people of God, and this is the structure. So you have the king, Jesus, yes. and the the mother is always the queen, not the wife. Jesus yes. wasn't married, but if he was married, she wouldn't be the wife. She would be the wife. She wouldn't be the queen. Mary right. is the queen. In yes. Hebrew, it's Gevirah. And the queen mother is the second position in the kingdom of heaven. And the third position is the grand vizier, the pope you know, Peter's position. Yeah. And it's a, I love it. It's a position. It's not a it's not based on a um a person, but it's based on a position because the kingdom of God is an ordered kingdom. God creates order, he doesn't create disorder. Yeah. So he has a king, Jesus, a queen, the queen mother, the grand vizier, and you know, the the rest of the apostles who are gonna sit judging the angels, scripture says. So if it's only God, then that's contrary to Scripture. I always wondered about, um, you remember the story Jesus told about the prodigal son? Mm -hmm. When he comes back, what he says is, I've sinned against heaven, against you, and against heaven. He didn't say, I just sinned against you, because obviously the Father is an image of God the Father. Mm. He's an image of God. Sure. But he didn't sin just against God. He sinned against God and all of heaven. In other words, all of God's creation. Really? Oh. Yeah. I guess I've, it's a biblical. I've, I've probably passed over that for a lot of different reasons, right? Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, hmm. uh, that's like a passage about angels. So Paul is on a ship in Acts 26, and they're they're going to Rome. He's going to be uh, he's going to be beheaded. He probably knows that. And they're in a terrible storm, and the sailors are terrified. And Paul says, oh, don't worry. The angel to whom I belong and whom I serve stood by me and told him what was going to happen. But what Paul points out is the angel to whom I belong and whom I serve. So if Paul, who was obviously a servant of Jesus Christ, is serving his guardian angel, then it's never an either-or situation with God. That's why the church teaches what they teach. And that's, it's, it's simple, but it's easy to miss. 
Yeah. When I when I posted that online, I have a good Protestant friend who's he was Chinese and he became Christian when he was an adult and he studies. So he'll know the Catholic explanation and the Protestant explanation. He's a fascinating guy. And oh, wow. uh, when I posted that, he said, I've never read that. And he loved scripture, but he mm. missed it just like you missed the prodigal son. And it takes yeah. a certain experience or God's grace revealing to you a little nugget in scripture. And that's, to me, that just reveals that scripture is inexhaustible. Uh, yes. We can't get everything out of it. That's why we keep reading it. That's why we right. keep praying the liturgy of the hours and reading the Psalms and the readings and the writings of the fathers and the saints and the councils. Yeah. That's why we do it. It's devotion. It's not, you don't yeah. have to memorize anything. When I do Bible studies, I tell them, you know, it's not really important whether you remember any of this. What's important is that you meditate upon something about our faith and let God's grace penetrate your heart. Because once you have an experience of God or Mary or angel and saints, then the faith is completely different. Yeah. Like you can it. take charismatics are a perfect example of that. They have an experience of God, and then all of a sudden, they don't go to Mass because they have to. They want to. They read the Bible because they love God. You know, Protestants have the same experience. It's not just Catholics. People of all religions have that. When they experience God in heaven, then um, they become very devoted. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It, that's just how God acts. God's inclusive. God's attractive. Like Benedict talked about beauty. And beauty attracts us. That's how God works. He attracts oh, yeah. us. Yes. The good, the true, and the beautiful. Yes. Amen. Sometimes Absolutely. we have to lead with beauty. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why the cathedrals in Europe are just amazing. I've never seen them. I've seen pictures of them, but I've never right. been to them. But that beauty raises the heart and mind to God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though there are detractors who say, why don't you sell all that stuff and you can feed the poor? Well, we're already feeding the poor. We don't have to sell all that stuff to do that. Because and, and, and Christ told us that we will always have the poor with us. Yes, he did. So anyone who believes the Bible knows what Christ said. They just right. maybe forgot about it. It wasn't at the forefront. Right. Yeah. And that's, in my experience with religion and with God, that's what he does is he, he gives us a little window into something and then we get it more deeply. And when we understand our faith more deeply, it becomes something that's not just um, not just a theology that you read in a book. It's yep. something that has meaning for your life and challenges you and changes you. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's yeah. what the Shroud did. That's what Mary does. That's what my angels do. They all do the same thing. Hmm. So you said uh, we could talk a little bit about Mary. So let's elaborate on that a little bit, since, you know, we've kind of danced around the edges here a little bit about Mary. Um, share share some of your insight. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to. You know, we're, we're, 
we do Bible studies and we use books to do these studies because they're not, we haven't, we haven't done a, a book of the Bible study yet in our study group. But what we're using is we're using books that talk about aspects of our faith. And I found a very interesting book by a, a woman named Andy Oney. She's married to Deacon Larry Oney. They're in Louisiana. And her book is about Mary and her relationship to the Holy Spirit. It's a really beautiful book. And uh, so before we did this, I, uh, I had a little, a little presentation about Mary. And I used some of her titles to talk about Mary. You know, because if you, if you understand a title of Mary, then you understand the teaching of the church about that particular thing. And she has thousands of titles. And, you know, usually the usually a big one is the Immaculate Conception. That's usually pretty big. And, you know, people scratch their heads. Where in the heck did that come from? Well, you know, it took the church. Oh, about 1200 years until we got to John Dunn Scotus, where he coalesced all the all the little insights that the saints had. And he gave voice to that. Um, but really. At the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel said, Hail Mary, full of grace. And the Greek word, kacheritomene, that means full of grace, is a technical Greek word. It means that you receive grace from one point and it goes on forever. It never ceases. And what the church has done is define that point at conception. Now, logically, if you define that point in any place other than conception, it's just arbitrary. It's kind of like saying um, you can't abort a child after eight weeks. Well, that's an arbitrary. The child was conceived. That's when the child was alive, even though it doesn't right. look like a child because there's mm -hmm. stages of development. Well, it's the same thing for this teaching on Mary. Um, if Mary wasn't immaculately conceived, then she's not immaculate. But the word means that she was full of grace, and full of grace is a really good translation. And there's only one other person that Scripture talks about, not with the same technical word, but in John it says that Christ was full of grace and truth. Those are the only two people in Scripture yes. that, that Scripture talks about were full of grace. Mary and Jesus. Obviously, Jesus has it by nature. Mary right. has it by grace. Right. So, you know, that the, the arguments that, you know, Mary doesn't believe that God is her savior is ridiculous because in the Magnificat, she says, you know, she calls God her savior. Right. That, that becomes very <laughs> obvious. But that technical Greek word, I've preached on this um, a mm. number of homilies. And I've talked about it in a number of classes because that Greek word is a key to understanding why the church teaches that Mary was conceived without sin. But there are other people that God created without sin. You know yep. this. Everybody Indeed. knows this. Adam and Eve were created without <laughs> sin. They were created in original holiness and original justice. And when they fell, when you had original sin, then they lost original holiness and original justice. And Scotus argued something very fascinating about it. He said that God had to create Mary without sin, because if he didn't, then he would not have done his greatest creation. The greatest mm. creation is to create a person, a human being, without sin. 
He did it in Adam and Eve, but they fell. So when he did it in Mary, and you know, I like uh, what Bernard of Clairvaux said at the Annunciation, all the angels held their breath. And then when she said fiat, and she said, yes, let it be done to me according to your word, they exhaled. I was like, oh, oh I love that image. Yeah, that it's beautiful. That is amazing. Mm. So that's, that's just the Immaculate Conception. I, <laughs> I could go on for a long time about Mary. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is not the Shroud Show or the Mary Show. But, you know, it's a, it's a potpourri of whatever you'd like. But that's... That's the Immaculate Conception. Wow. I love it. Other, I love other it. stuff? Can you pronounce that Greek for me one more time? Kacheritomene. K-E-C-H-A-R-I-T-O-M-E-N-E. I think. If, I, if I'm doing it by memory well enough. I'm not a Greek scholar. But neither am I. But you know, I'm an IT guy, and I'm kind of a bookworm. So I, <laughs> and and I really, you know, when I was a, I I was raised Catholic, and I left and became a Protestant. I became very acquainted with the King James and Strong's, and I've been using Strong's since I was a Protestant in my early twenties, and I still use Strong's today. When I when I talk to a Protestant mm. about Peter, I use Strong's. On mm. this rock, I will build my church. And, you know, the Petra Petros thing yes. is immaterial. I mean, if you do it in Aramaic, it's you are Kepha, and on this Kepha will build my church. It's the same word. But right. what's interesting is that in Strong's, what it has for Petros, which is the masculine, is same as yes. Petra. The reason that, that Jesus would do Petra when they're not referring to a person is because the feminine is is dominant in Greek, the same thing in Spanish. It's the same mm. thing. So and we don't have we don't have um, gender in English. So right. a lot of English speakers they miss that. It just goes right over their head. But any language that has gender, you have a predominant, it's either masculine or feminine. There isn't any it. There's a right. there's a man <laughs> or a woman. And so one in that language is going to be predominant, and that's used when it's not referring to a particular individual. And that's mm. that's the reason for that. But, you know, that's a, that, there's a lot we can learn from just a little study of the Greek. Oh, yes. I like yeah. to use, because uh, I'm super newbie, I don't really know Greek, but sometimes I'll want to look up what does this word mean, right? What are they mm -hmm. actually saying here? So I'll use like blueletterbible.com or .org mm -hmm. or whatever it is because it'll show me the English right. and the Greek, which helped. Uh, I preached um, uh, uh, St. Peter's testimony or affirmation when Christ asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Again, mm -hmm. in English, just looks like love, love, love because we don't mm -hmm. have any other words for love. Um and knowing what the what the Greek underneath that is and getting a better yes. understanding, then you see the depth. But without that, it just looks like love, love, love. Yes, I love, love, love you. Right. right? You don't see how Christ condescends to Peter where Peter is. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, love I heard a I heard a, a homily by Fulton Sheen about that. And he translated agape as divine, totally committed love and as. Filio 
as a brotherly, friendly kind of love. And so when he goes through it, he translates, Jesus says, do you love me in a divine, totally committed way? He says, yeah, yeah I love you in a brotherly, friendly kind of way. He does. And they do that twice. And then the third time he says, he seems to doubt the other because Jesus the third time says, do you love me in a brotherly, friendly kind of way? And Jesus mm. and Peter is sad. But he says yes, and he, he still gives him his mission. So it, it doesn't matter. That, that, what that proves is that God justifies the called. He doesn't call the justified. Amen. In other words, when he called us as deacons, we were not qualified in any sense oh. we were qualified because he called us exactly yeah no, exactly. He, he, he can fix us you remember moses moses had a stutter yep yeah i mean you have moses a lot of saints yeah yeah you have a lot of saints like that mm-hmm. yeah the, the italian priest who could who could um knew the sins of the penitent even if they forgot them i can't remember his name i keep forgetting his name Padre Pio. Padre Pio, yes. And, you know, Padre Pio said, well, he chose me because it's obvious it's God's power, not mine. <laughs> oh, I love it. I say the I same thing. I, I had a conversation with God when I was starting at the Akin, and I said, you know, do you really want me to preach? Because you know how I am. I just tell the truth. He said, yeah, do that. <laughs> so that's what I do. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, he made me love this it. way. You know, uh, it's kind of like people who won't sing at mass. I said, God gave you the gift or lack of gift, whatever it is you feel you have. So give it back to him loudly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just sing it's loud. Right. Try and sing on yes. tune. If you don't sing on tune, that's OK. It still pleases him because he gave it to you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Pray twice. A, pray twice. Yeah. Don't hold back. Yep. Well, yeah. When you pray twice, that means you sing beautifully. But even if you don't sing beautifully, you please God. You make him smile when you sing to him, no matter what kind of voice you have or you think you have. Yes. Yeah. Love there it. was an old guy. There was an old guy in church who used to sit by me. We used to sit by one another what, long before I was a deacon. And, and I was trying to get him to sing. He's like, you sing good enough for both of us. I said, yeah, but God gave you your voice and he wants it back. He said, I don't think he wants my voice back. He's very old. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Very nice old that. man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. awesome. But it's those great experiences that we get from those that sit around us that, you know, help shape our our congregations, our communities, you know. It uh it's always fun to me to um hear people and how they react to or how they feel about whatever it is that's going on in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a real experience. And we should yeah. be able to experience God in all of heaven, not only in church, but out of church too. And we should yes, be able to express that. that. I mean, that's God's a big God. But you can yell at him. He's okay. He's good with yes. that. He made you just yes. the way you are if you're upset. Well, then give him you're upset. If you're happy, give him your happiness. Whatever you have, you give it to him. Yes. Isn't that the principle? Exactly. Well, I've always said, you know, God, you made me this way, and, and I'm not the <laughs> brightest bulb on the tree. So, you know what? If you got a plan for me, you better, you know, reveal it like hit me over the head with a two by four because 
That's what it's going to take. Uh, so you like the Jim Dugan God. Yes. If you remember the old wrestler, Jim Dugan, he had his two by four. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, there, there, you know, worldwide wrestling, there was an old wrestler probably 20 years ago. Jim Dugan, he would come on, he would, oh, and he'd have this two by four. He never really hit anybody with it, but it, that was just uh, my little reminiscence. <laughs> I love Absolutely. it. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're well, you know, he didn't create us deacons. <laughs> he created us human first, and then he Amen. created us deacon after. Yes, and we'll always be human, and we'll always be deacon. Amen to that. Amen. Anything else? You want anything else about Mary? <laughs> you want stuff about angels? What do you want? I don't know. How are we doing on time, Phil? About 45 minutes. Yeah, I think maybe we can uh, have Deacon Andy on and we can next time talk about angels we can talk Maybe about angels we Bill can and I delve talked about purgatory Mary. he said yeah i would like purgatory sometime yes i do still want to do that yes oh, yes I, yeah. do, I do i do yeah. i do so yeah yep. anything that's controversial you know it's usually <laughs> it's usually a good one because it gives it gives people an understanding of what the what the church teaches and why yes. they teach it whether yes. they agree with it or not that's right. their business, but yeah. at least they'll. If you listen to the under to the explanation, even if you disagree with it, at least it, there's logic to it. Absolutely, amen. There if, you go. Even yeah. if you don't amen. like it, you know. Yep. Just give them the truth, and yeah, right. Let the Holy Spirit work with that within them. Yeah, right. God can work with truth. He mm -hmm. is truth. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. Th well, Andy, I can't say thank you enough for coming on again and for allowing the flexibility. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. We're having a conversation. This is a lot of fun. I it is this. a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. And I've got, I don't know how many tabs open from all the things you mentioned. I'm trying to get a capture, <laughs> hopefully all that, and make links out of that. For, but I love it. I've never even, I've listened to so many of uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen's sermons, homilies, I have, I don't know that I've ever heard him say that one, but now I've got it queued up. So now I've got something to share with the audience and something I want to listen to now. <laughs> there yeah, you go. I, you, probably 20 years ago, I listened to that so much, I memorized the whole sermon. Oh, oh really? Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I would play it's it so in my good. head for myself. Oh, my. I, so he just yes. taught me over and over and over again. Because, you know, repetition is the best teacher. You tell them what you're going to tell them. Absolutely. Then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them. And then you do it again. Yes. And you tell them one more time. Yep. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love, love it. Love Fulton. Love Fulton Sheen. That guy was a man ahead of his time. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. He used the technology that he had to preach the gospel. That's, Amen. That's what we're doing at the Shroud Museum. It's the. It's a place of grace in a in a secular space. Hmm. Place of grace in a secular. Love it. I love it. Well, yeah, I can't say thank you enough, Andy. I know Bob would set, extend his thanks as well, but for we had some technical problems, so we could only get the three of us on. But we really, really appreciate you coming on. It's my pleasure. It's glad I'm glad to be here with you. Always good to see you, brother. Thanks, my brother. <laughs>